Welcome back to episode 37 of Chess Journeys, Tales of Adult Improvement. Here at Chess Journeys, we don't just seek to trace the rating gains and the amazing feats of achievement, but we also look to look at where are the struggles, where are the plateaus, where are people having some issues, and get some advice and tips on how to plow through and how to improve our chess generally. Uh, if you want to support the show, the best way to do it is on Patreon Chess Journeys. I'd like to thank Terry King, Andrew Perry, Jay Tell, Jay Garrison, Donna Rich Burgess, and Brandon Hellside. You can catch me streaming more often lately on uh, Dr. Skull underscore Tony Grimes. I think I'm on the 24th game of Fisher's 60 memorable games, so that's been fun. Uh, the stream is uh, supported by Chessable, and I'm at 90 days and counting. This is very close to my longest streak, which means something's going to happen soon. I'm going to lose it. I'm working on the Woodpecker method. I've really been diving back into it, and so I'm excited about that. Uh, if you want to support the show and you like Aim Chess, you can use the, the code Dr. Skull 30 Boy, I've learned a lot about my uh, chess and uh, what happens when I play sick. A video is coming soon about that. But to the moment at hand, I bring in our guest today, Michael. He is a teacher. He's uh, a father of at least two children, two young children. He still makes time for chess improvement. Michael, welcome to the show. And have you played any chess yet today? Thank you, Kevin. It's, it's an honor to be here today. And uh, I have actually played some chess. I was able to get in a few blitz games today um, and did fairly well. Got four out of five and that was not bad. So nice. Wow. That, that, that's pretty great. Uh, is blitz your main um, game of choice or was it more of like you just had a window and you wanted to squeeze some games in? Yeah, I, I try to actually, I try to keep my blitz to a very minimum um, just because I think that I find, I find myself really just uh, becoming too spontaneous with my moves without putting a lot of thought in. So I just, when I have some time alone to do, you know, I have maybe a few minutes here or there, then that's when I'll play blitz, but I prefer to do um, my rapid at a minimum of 15, 10 type of games with that sort of thing. All right. Yeah. It sounds like we're really similar. And the last week's mm -hmm. been really a rough one for me. I've played about three blitz games a day. For seven days, that's 21 blitz games and no <laughs> rapid. So it's like only blitz, which is oh, like no. completely against what I try to do. So that, that's unfortunately. Uh, well, let's start with this question. What is your current situation, Mike? What is your career like? Do you have a significant other? What What are the demands on your time? Sure. Yeah, and, and uh, I do. So I, I'm, I'm married to a wonderful wife who's been very supportive of my return to chess. Um, she's, you know, great with just allowing me to have some time to, you know, support my, if you want to say maybe my book habits with buying chess books uh, more than actually reading them. She's very supportive with that. And I do have two young children at home. Um, I'm actually a father of four. So my, my oldest son, he's 21 years old uh, in the U.S. Army, actually stationed in uh, Texas. And then I have an 18 year old daughter who's um, she's in college. And then right now I have a like in the, the disparity in age, but I have a five year old and a three year old daughter who are uh, coming up and keeping me young for sure. You know, I'm 44 years old, but, uh, but they, they have me running around like I'm in my twenties again, you know, chasing around the house and playing games with them, but it's, it's a pleasure. It's, I, I enjoy it, but I do try to find some time in there to, to, um, you know, not take away time from them, but when maybe if they're watching a show or a lot of times if I'm taking them to, let's say gymnastics or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're in all kinds of different activities, ballet sometimes. And so I'll try to get a game in there, maybe do some tactics puzzles. And so I, I try to just maximize my time when I have it. Yeah. So it sounds like you sort of divided up your time and study habits based on opportunities you have. Like you, you probably isolated some things where you're like, when I'm waiting at gymnastics and I have X amount of time, I do this. 
Uh, this show is 12 minutes. So when there's a 12 minute task, I do this. Have you started really regimenting your time like that? Yeah, I really have to because, um, because, you know, the days are so, they're so full with many different things. Um, but yeah, so I try to, my routine is I usually try to get up fairly early, five o'clock, five 30. Um, you know, I have a pretty regimented routine. So I wake up, read the Bible. Then I, after that, I jump into doing tactics puzzles on chess.com. And then I try to, if, before everybody wakes up, I try to do a little bit of, um, you know, some sort of serious study, whether it's like right now, I'm currently going through uh, Yusupov series with book one, uh, as well as trying to dabble with, uh, you know, Silman's complete endgame course, working through some of the areas in the class C section. But I try to find at least, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, maybe in the morning before everybody starts moving to get some chess in. Um, but then, you know, like, just like you said, as the day continues on, then I'm really just looking for those opportunities where, um, you know, maybe I have, like I said, 15 minutes here, maybe I have 20 minutes there and I can, I can sit down and do a few tactics puzzles. Um, if it's something where I have a little bit more time, then I'll try to get a rapid game in with, you know, 15, 10, something like that, where I have a little bit of time to, to do some actual thinking and then maybe do, you know, a little bit of analysis afterwards. But, um, but yeah, I'm just really, I try to maximize my time, look for those opportunities, uh, I find that I'm not very good at doing chess in the evening, like when it's when it starts getting late, you know, nine, 10 o'clock, let's say my mind isn't working as fast. So oftentimes that's when I'll try to catch a video, watch something just, to, you know, just kind of relax watching, mm. who knows, you know, Hanging Ponds or, you know, Naroditsky or Gotham, whoever else, you know, I can just think of at that time. Yeah. So something that you can do a little more passively and still get something out of it. Yeah, just just a little bit. You know, if I pick up something, that's great. Otherwise, it's just really just for the enjoyment of it. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like we've adopted a similar approach with similar situations, right? Like it's like people always give me this advice. Why don't you just tell your family I'm going to lock myself in my office for two to three hours. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't really work that way for me. It sounds like no. you have a similar situation. Yeah. And, and it may, you know, as, as, as my two younger daughters get, get older, they'll probably, um, you know, want to spend more time on their own. But at the time, at the current time, you know, I'm kind of the, the number one fan for them. We, we do a lot of playing. So, yeah, yeah, finding those times saying, hey, I need to lock off two hours or three hours. It's just not going to happen too often. Yeah, same here. We, we had a big accomplishment today. Uh, me and my girls, we beat Enderman. The, sorry, the Ender Dragon in Minecraft. So it was like, oh, it, was a big nice. deal. it was a big deal. That's good. Hey. We, we apparently cheated big time to get there. I, I was just <laughs> called in for the fight. But uh, it, was, it was big. It was big. Excellent. <laughs> um, so what's your backstory for chess? What's your origin story? Did you play as a kid and, and give it up? Did you just start recently? Uh, where are we at? So um, so I, I would say that I guess you say my origin story started at a very young age, not really playing chess, but I guess my earliest memory is probably around five years old. I remember that my, my mother had a chess set that she was painting for my grandfather. My grandfather played chess and uh, she was painting. And it just kind of captured my imagination at a young age seeing, you know, the pawns were, were, were wearing, you know, armor and all these different things. You're looking at the, the knights and the queen. It just kind of captured my imagination. And then I got to, uh, didn't play it at all. It wasn't until I was in middle school and it was, it was a requirement to sign up for a club. And so I signed up for the chess club and that's really where I learned how to play. But again, it was really nothing uh, after that. I didn't, didn't pursue it in any sort of competition or, or really playing outside of that club. And it wasn't until, um, so I, I've, so it wasn't until 1996, which was I was in the military at that point. So I joined joined the army at age 17, went into uh, um, went over to Darmstadt, Germany. And so I, when I was over there, uh, I was on a 24 hour duty. It's called staff duty. And, and I was there I was a young private and the sergeant on duty. He, he had, you know, again, you're sitting there for 24 hours. So he brought a chessboard with him and he was playing through some different uh, games and he asked me if I knew how to play. And so I, I played a game, a couple of games with him. Didn't do well at all. But I but I 
you know, it kind of got my imagination peaked and, and I went out and bought one of those uh, electronic chess computers, the travel ones, and, and basically taught myself on that, playing that over and over several times. And then it uh, wasn't until 1998, I moved back to, we, I got um, stationed in Fort Hood, Texas. And um, it was, got there in February 98. And as soon as I hit the ground, I, you know, immediately looked for a bookstore, went out and bought a, you know, modern chess openings book, started playing through it, found out that there was, there were tournaments nearby. So I went to my first tournament in Dallas um, and just went into the open section, signed up, went for it and didn't, didn't really know what was going on. You know, I had, luckily I had a guy there that kind of took me under his wings and showed me the, you know, the ropes, what to do. And uh, it's funny because I got paired with a uh, this this one gentleman. His name was Robert Smelter, and I didn't you know I didn't know him from anything else. But uh, once the pairings went up, and, and you know this gentleman saw that I had been paired with with him, he said, "Do you know who you're playing?" And I said, "No, I have, I have no clue." He's like, "Well, he's like that's that's Robert Smelter. He was on the cover of Chess Life in 1996." I said, "Oh, really? You know?" And so here it was that this this gentleman was um, on the cover of Chess Life, June 1996, uh, for playing the most over the board rated games in a year for the US Chess Federation. So we had over 2000 games in a year. Wow. And um, so my first game was against him. Every single move I would make, and I was I was taking, you know, five, 10 minutes for a move. He was sitting there blitzing every single thing out. I'd make a move and he blitzed it. And it, it, it went all the way into the middle game with that. And it was pretty intimidating for me. But um, so what I did is I, you know, as, as I was sitting there watching him blitz these things, I was like, the only way I'm going to win this is if I set up a trap for him in, in a sense. Mm. So I, I tried to try to play it around. I set up a trap. He fell for it and I ended up winning the game. And um, yeah, so got, got pretty lucky and walked out of that tournament, uh, getting second place, making some, some cash with it and walked out and, and I, my provisional rating. And I just looked up this morning. I thought it was in the 1670s, but my provisional rating was 1702. Now over the next two years, I played in, you know, at the Waco open and places like that. And I, I dropped all the way back down to 1345, which was probably more realistic, mm -hmm. but, um, that was my last tournament was in 2000, which was, you know, 22 years ago. And I uh, really hadn't touched it much uh, for about 15 years until I was stationed in Hawaii. I was out at a, uh, it was a, it was a weapon qualification range and there was a warrant officer there and he had his phone out and he was playing chess and, you know, it turns out he was on chess.com. And so, mm. you know, as soon as I, I found that I started, you know, playing again after about 15 years and then really just nothing serious, just always just doing blitz, just having a good time with it. And it wasn't until I retired from the military, I did, uh, it was 25 years I retired from, it was November, 2020, moved back to Pennsylvania and um, sat down and started watching the Queen's Gambit in January, February, 2021. So just last year. And after watching that, it just, it recharged everything. You know, it, it just kind of started everything back up again. And I decided, Hey, you know, I'm retired from the military. I'm, I got a lot more time on my hands. I'm going to start studying. So March of last year, I started, you know, digging into the books and actually trying to spend some quality time every day, trying to improve and, um, you know, been doing it pretty steady since got into my first tournament just in January, I signed up for the Liberty Bell open and, uh, did, did fairly well in there, played, got five out of seven points and, uh, in the under 1500 section, picked up 30 rating points on, uh, USCF. And now I have my sights set on, uh, the next tournament, which is in at the end of June, uh, the world open, I'm going to head over to Ooh, play, in, play over fun. there. Yeah. Yeah, I think okay. it'd be great. It's supposed to be huge. Yeah. Let's go back to your first tournament. Sure. Um, how nervous were you at that first tournament? Were you just kind of like, what am I doing here? Or do you come in being like, I think I can hang with these guys? Like, what was your thought? Yeah, I was, so I, 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 my, you know, when I try to think about that, it was about 20, I guess I was, um, let me see. 90, yeah, so I was about almost 20 years old, 20, 21 years old. And uh, 
I was pretty confident in my game, even though I didn't really know what I was going up against, you know, and walking into a tournament now, just, you know, when I walked into this tournament just two months ago, I was far more nervous than I was back in, you know, 1998. Um, but yeah, so I, when I went in there, I was, I was just going to play, just enjoyed the game and didn't really know that I was, you know, playing against some decent individuals, you know, as I was going into it, but, but yeah, not a lot of nervousness, not uh, anything like that, but totally different um, than the one I just did. Like I said, it was, it was, I was, I was very nervous for that one. It's funny how that works. I I was, I was similar when I was like 20 to 25. Like, I was like, why would I get nervous about things? I'm great at everything. Then you get older and you're like, actually, I'm not, not that great at that. (laughs) Yeah. A little bit tough. Um, When you played uh, this gentleman who is blitzing out all the moves against you, do you think that is why you beat him is that you were able to set that trap and he was kind of like trying to intimidate you and then it just kind of allowed him to fall for that trap. Yeah, I think so because, like I said, I think here I was an unrated player coming in, and uh, and you know, again, he just like I said, you know, with him playing over two thousand games in a year, I mean, he, he just was very familiar with the, the, the board. He was yeah. pretty much, uh, you know, he was well known within the Dallas Chess Club there, and um, just yeah, I think he was just playing quickly, and and I ended up getting lucky, I guess, you know, trying to just set up some sort of little trap for him. So it was great. Yeah, that must have been such a great feeling. Um, it was, yeah, it was. So let, let's go. Let's go back then to your comeback. Um, you said it was like this year. Uh, when did you actually make your? What, what would you say was your official comeback this year? Uh, well, so I would say. Well, I would say really it was it was March 2021. So about okay. just like basically a year ago is when I really made the decision. I'm going to spend some time to try to improve and become a better chess player. Um, and, and that's when I, like I said, I went out and got a few more books and uh, really tried to dig in, doing some study, trying to really uh, get back into it. It was amazing how much I had forgotten. I just felt, you know, yeah. in terms of my opening prep, everything like that. It was just, I, you know, just there was so much for me to learn at that point. So, I, I, like I said, I was digging in and just trying to get my hands on everything at that point. Yeah, we have a similar sort of return narrative. And mine came with it, uh, like 1670 USCF rating. And I was like, yeah. I am not. Like I'm like 1100 at best right now. Like, yeah. I don't know any openings. I don't know anything about chess. Like this is, this is going to be a humiliating experience when I take this rating into a tournament. And luckily with COVID, it took quite a while before I did. Yeah. By the time I got there, I was at least close to that level again. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what were sort of like your first resources that you really dove into when you got back into chess? Well, one of the, uh, one of the, of course I had, the, I still had the old modern chess openings that, um, you know, it was from the nineties, but again, it was just something to dig into a little bit, but I, had, I also had how to reassess your chess. I had bought that back in uh, right around 2000. I think I bought that. It was the, it was the third edition. Um, so I had, had that to start working through again, and then ended up buying um, my system by, you know, Nimzovich and got about probably about halfway through that, but then really started enjoying myself when I went to Irving Chernev's logical chess move by move. Mm -hmm. I did that over the summer, then went into um, uh, Michael Steen's simple chess, which I really loved that also. And it really kind of got me focusing on where I needed to be, you know, in terms of just how much I didn't know and how much I needed to just improve upon. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So you went, you basically, worked on your strategy quite a bit with those books. And it sounds like you said you've been doing uh, tactics. Did you start tactics training right from the beginning or was that something you sort of noticed was a whole later? No. So it, it was, it was uh, something that, like I said, when I, when I got back into it, one of the first things that I did was like, you know, look up and Hey, what's, what's on YouTube about chess. And I, I immediately, of course, you know, Gotham chess with Levy Rosman came up and I started watching a lot of his videos and it, it really 
came to, to see that I needed to work on tactics. And so I was doing some of the tactics there. I bought the, bought the woodpecker method, didn't go through it the entire way, started playing around with it, but I just couldn't find the time to be consistent with it. Um, but yeah, so I, what I find is that, you know, using the chess.com puzzles is, is beneficial to me on that piece, as well as um, I do use aim chess. I signed up for that, I guess, maybe, I don't know, two or three months ago to, mm -hmm. to just uh, work with through some things. And I, I do a lot of the tactics puzzles on there also. But um, I do plan on when, as you know, in, in preparation for going to the next tournament in June or June, July timeframe, um, I am going to pick up the woodpecker method probably around April and try to go through, you know, as much as I can do the first four weeks like that and then continue to cut it down as it, as I lead up to it. Yeah. That seems like a good strategy. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So it sounds like you're doing online tactics. Some, are you doing some tactics in books? Like when you say, woodpecker method is that like in the book format or do you get an a digital version of that no i did i, I bought the book format for that okay. that way i can kind of just carry it around and do things with it but um i'm kind of a book guy so I've, I've i enjoy having it the physical book in my hands um although i you know like i said i did play around with forward chess a little bit but i'm just i prefer to have the the uh, book in my hands with that yeah yeah i that's been an interesting thing for me too is i love the physical books mm -hmm. that i found so much of my available time is not sitting down with a book in front of a board, but it's like get in bed for 15 minutes with the lights off yeah. or in this other spot. And so it's so funny. I'll have like an actual book I'm going through. Yeah. And then the book I'm going through on forward chess when it's like late at night and I don't have quite as much energy. So I uh, like, kind of like you, I've separated into multiple phases. Yeah. 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 No, that's a great idea too. Maybe I need to do that is because like I'm in the same situation where you're, you're sitting there and, you know, you rarely do get the opportunity to sit down with a book and really dig hard into it. Like I said, I have to find maybe an hour to do some of those things, but yeah. um, to try to just maximize the time, it might be a good idea to, to try that on forward chess in the evenings. Yeah. So how did this initial comeback go? Like say first couple of months, were you basically making quite a bit of ratings progress? Did you feel like you got back to your old rating pretty quick? How, how'd that go for you? Um, it, well, so in terms of ratings, I, like I said, I didn't play my first tournament coming back until just, like I said, two months ago. So mm. really where I was gauging myself was on chess.com in the, in the rapid and blitz. And again, coming back to it, I didn't realize that, um, you know, and this is just for me personally, the more, the more blitz I play, the, the, um, I guess I, I begin to see a little bit of a decline in my rapid ratings because I, again, I become very spontaneous with my moves without putting much thought into it. So that was one of the things that I learned very quickly that I had to try to limit my blitz um, or like even, even if you want to say bullet, but I try to limit my blitz and uh, really spend the, the quality time with my rapid ratings and that sort of thing. So I did, I did notice um, that it was, it was slowly increasing. We actually made it up on chess.com to 1800. And then for whatever reason, Whoa. you know, I started to drop down. Um, so where I'm currently in the 1600 right now with, with um, hmm. usually playing the 1510 or the 30 minute um, rapids. Okay. And how long did it take you to hit that 1800? Was there a pretty like slow and steady rise to that? Did you have a big spike in there? Any long uh, I think goes? It, yeah, it was, it was a spike. Uh, what, what I noticed is um, after I was reading through uh, Irving Chernev's logical chess move by move, for whatever reason, it just seems just things just seemed to click for me. Like I could see hmm. the board differently. I don't know if it was his explanation of how pieces needed to you know, be on the board, but for whatever reason, um, when I was reading that book, I just I saw things a lot differently. And, and it just, it was, it was a quick jump to that 1800 mark. And then, you know, again, hard to explain why, but it, you know, started to decline slowly. And like I said, I, I kind of 
uh, fluctuate in the, the mid 1600s, getting close to 1700 again. So, gotcha. So it was like spiked to 1800, mm-hmm. dropped down, and now another slow increase, maybe back to 1800. We're not sure. Um, so that, what? Yeah. What book is the one that dropped you from 1800? This is what we really need to know. What's the book we don't want to read? <laughs> right. No, I actually, I don't know. I think, um, you know, I don't know if I would put it on any book. I think, you know, sometimes uh, you just sit there and, you, you know, you're making some, it, it could be the distraction. I, I really do think there's a lot to do with it also on how, uh, how much physical fitness you get in. Um, in terms of, you know, working out and being able to do some cardiovascular training, that sort of thing, because of course that's, you know, there's proven, um, proven, you know, experiments showing that that really does increase your brain activity and those sort of things. So it it may coincide with that. I don't know. Yeah. It's funny how um, I had gotten in a really bad place where I wasn't working out very much. And then Mm -hmm. when I got serious about chess, I was like, time to to start, you know, working out more too. And why? simply to get better at chess yeah. my health forget my health it's the chess i, I, I completely understand yeah i completely understand that's when i when i was getting ready for the liberty bell open that was the exact thing that was on my mind i was like i need to start running i need to i need to be able to work out and and it was because of that like i knew that it was going to somehow be a positive for my chess play yeah i mean especially those long grinding weekend tournaments oh, yeah. where it's like you got your brain has to function for what like 10 hours possibly yeah i mean that's a lot that is a lot for um any person especially in our in our a little bit older than say <laughs> the uh the nine-year-olds that were that we may be playing against oh boy yeah that's <laughs> very true uh so i guess my next question is uh how much time do you feel like you're able to carve out each day or week let's try to figure out what what is it what is that looking like for you try i'd say that i probably get a, a good hour of quality time every day. Sometimes it's, it's more, sometimes I'll get, you know, maybe two hours of uh, time. Um, and when I say quality, I mean, where I'm actually able to sit down, I have a board in my, in my little chess room where I have a board set up and, and I'm actually playing through uh, whatever it is, the book that I'm learning, you know, the, the studying that I'm doing uh, or, or analyzing one of my games. But I've, to me, that's, that's where I'm doing quality training. Um, where I, when I've, you know, if you were to add probably throughout the rest of the day, maybe there's another hour in there, but I don't really judge that as being, you know, uh, quality. It's just I'm keeping my mind active, trying to do a few maybe tactics puzzles and game th- puzzles, whatever it may be. And uh, I just stick them in where I can. But I, yeah, I think about maybe an hour. So that would be, I'd say seven hours a week, maybe 10 hours a week of uh, study time. Okay. That's really interesting how you said that because I think in order to make myself feel better about my own study time, I take the opposite approach. I'm like, okay, this hour was the best hour, but you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm going to log the five minutes I was on chessable there. And then I was on chessable 10 minutes later. That's 15 minutes. And then at the end of the day, I can be like, see, it was two hours. But I think you're right. There like maybe one of those hours was really great study time. And the rest was like disjointed and not that great. And, you know, I I would say also one of the things that I, I found interesting about my training is so, um, when I'm, when I'm taking, for example, on Monday nights, I take the girls to gymnastics and when I'm there, it's, it's extremely loud. It's, you know, kids are running everywhere, mm-hmm. you know, parents are talking and, um, and I, I'll do a rapid game during that time. Cause I have an entire hour to just sit there. So I'll wow. do a rapid game. And, and I think and in my mind, I'm thinking that this is actually good training because, you know, when you're at the tournament there, there's, there's some noise that's taking place. There's kids running around and, um, those can be distractions, but I, I feel like that's part of my preparation, you know? That's fascinating. Have you ever looked at like 
what your success rate is in that environment versus like at home in your office environment? No, I, actually, I haven't. But that's a that's a great idea. I should look at that and see how how well I'm doing when it when I'm sitting there with all the noise taking place or when I'm an actual I have some quiet time to study. I don't know. It'd be, it'd be yeah. interesting to see those results. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I've I've also toyed with like how to find my how to find out how good I am by having like separate accounts. One is yeah. like I am uh, in a place where I can give it my full focus and I'm feeling good. That's one mm -hmm. account, right? Another account is like, it's the end of the day. I'm totally devastated, but just in the mood of my chest, there's an account. And then I'm like, I can protect that one account. But then, then I think about it. I'm like, uh, that just gets me into this whole ratings preciousness that I really want to avoid and just make it about yeah. the process. And I think for me, that's the main reason I don't do it. I don't want to slide into that focus yeah. on ratings. Yeah, that's that's a um that's a tough spot that I, I dealt with too. You know, coming back to chess last year, um, I would get pretty upset, you know, pretty uh worked up about my ratings, getting, you know, if if I lost two or three games in a row and I saw 30 points drop, I, I became pretty upset about that. And uh it it took a it took a while to I guess just kind of deal with that and be okay with it because it was difficult for me initially, but now like, it's kind of like I said, I, I don't want to get into that trap. So I just, I play if, and then I look at what I did well, what I did poorly. And I try to improve upon that. Yeah. I, I found a really healthy approach to this. I don't know if this will work for anyone out there, but in the last couple of weeks, I've been quite sick and my brain's been foggy, but I didn't want to just not play chess. And I lost nearly a hundred blitz rating points. And what I realized at first, I was kind of like, oh, no, I've lost all this progress. And then I realized like, no, what that means is when I'm feeling better, I'm just going to get to womp people for like a week while my rating catches up. And it's going to be amazing. I'm going to feel like a god for a week. So maybe that's the way to think about it. When you lose a bunch in a row, yeah, you know what your actual strength is. And the ratings do a pretty good job of getting you there sometimes. So mm -hmm. it just means yeah. you're going to have a great run soon. Yeah, you'll bounce back. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, so how do you divide up or do you divide up at all your study time between like tactics, end games, strategy openings? Do you take like a month for each? Do you have a part of the day that you do each or do you just do what you feel like in the moment? What's sort of your regimen with that? Yeah. So I kind of did a little bit of everything. So when I first came back to it last year, I, I had I created this beautiful schedule, you know, I added up on the wall here, like what I was going to do, you know, I was going to do 30 yeah. minutes of this, uh, you know, tactics here, I was going to do, you know, on Mondays, I was doing this sort of opening, you know, I had it all like kind of regimented and it didn't really work well for me because I, I never truly followed it. You know, when, mm -hmm. when my wife saw that I had built this and put it up on the wall, she kind of just snickered at me knowing that it probably wasn't going <laughs> to work and, and it didn't. Yeah. So, yeah. So what I, I kind of do now is, um, I've, I've tried to just focus on one, one book, maybe two. So currently what I'm doing um, is like I said, I'm going through Yusupava's book one, which really he, he goes through everything. So you're really, yeah. you're hitting openings, you're hitting, you know, the, the different tactical pieces, looking at pins and skewers. And then there's some end game pieces talking about, you know, the opposition, those sort of things. So it's nice going through his course because you, you don't really focus on one area on it. Um, and then I'm also, like I said, I'm going through um, someone's complete endgame course. So I, I started that from basically the very, uh, you know, the, the first level that he has there. And I've, right now I've worked my way into the class C section and I haven't gone beyond that. I've read the whole part, but I haven't gone beyond that because I don't feel proficient with it yet. There's some mm -hmm. things that I need to continue to work out. And, and what I mean by that is I'll, I'll, of course, I play through it over the board, but, <clears throat> um, you know, 
creating that in a game is sometimes more difficult than, you know, just sitting there playing it on the board. So I've, I tried to do where uh, I'll go to Lee chess and I'll create a position on the board and then play against the computer. And if I can do well, then I'll move on from it. So, hmm. um, so I'm, yeah, I'm just focusing on two books right now, trying to just uh, stay with that. But uh, as I get closer, like I said, my, my goal is to finish, um, you know, the, the U spot book one uh, of the, of his nine part series um, prior to the, the tournament. And then I'd like to get into the class D part. I mean, I'm not sorry, the class B part for the, uh, someone's completing game course. I figure that will give me a rounded approach for my level where I'm at currently, um, to get me there. And then, um, like I said, probably April timeframe, about two months out from the tournament, I'd like to start the Woodbecker method and, and try to get my tactical vision up, uh, to a, to a better level there. Okay. Yeah. That sounds like a really healthy, well-rounded approach. Uh, what do you think of the use of pop book? How far are you into it? So I'm, I'm about, uh, I just was working on chapter 11, but each, mm. each book has 25 chapters in it. So 25 lessons and, yeah. uh, some, some of the, you know, basically what he recommends is that you, you know, you spend about one to two hours on the lesson itself. And then when you, and then after each lesson, there's a quiz with it, you know, anywhere yeah. from, let's say 10 questions or so. And then you have, you get points for answering certain ones. And then you if you, if you get a certain amount of points and you're, he says, you know, you're, you should push on to the next lesson. If you didn't, what he was expecting, you're supposed to review it. But um, I found that most of the lessons are within my ability, I guess, um, to, to do well with. There are a few that are, are rather difficult that I've, I've completely bombed the test and I've had to re-go back, you know, go back and look at the uh, lesson yeah. again, but, but it's, it's been great. I really enjoy it. Um, I've heard nothing but good stuff about it. And it is, it is, uh, you know, he, you know, he, his, his um, resume speaks for itself. You know, he's a super, you know, just excellent trainer with that sort of thing. So, I'm putting my confidence that that's, that'll help, hopefully, you know, put me in the right mindset to do be competitive at the tournament. Yeah. Is it your plan to continue through more books in the series or just the first one? No, I, I actually, I, I've, I've bought the first three, which is the orange part of the series. Cause okay. I think it was, I think it's orange, blue and green, or, or maybe something like that, but either way, the first part is the orange books. And um, so I've already bought those three. I really, when I, when I started it, I really wanted to be through all three before mm -hmm. June of this year, but it's taken me longer than I, you know, again, I expect I was kind of a little bit too ambitious maybe with my plans. And then they sometimes, you know, they, they bring me back to reality, but, but yeah, I, I, I would like to, to go through all the whole nine series and see, you know, how that, you know, affects, you know, my, my play and um, you know, again, whether it makes me more competitive and, and, you know, just a better chess player. Yeah. I mean, the advertisement that basically, if you go through these nine books, you should be 2000 is such a compelling one, right? That that would be great. Yeah. I, would, I, I made would it not through be... four <laughs> chapters, I think of the first book. And I think I was just a little bit surprised at how challenging it was for yeah. the sort of beginner book, right? Like I'm supposedly a 1600. This should be a yeah. walk in the park. Um, there were definitely some chapters where I was like, these yes. quizzes are very, very challenging. Um, that's, and for yeah, the, whatever reason I put it aside, it's, it's a bit deceiving because like you said, when you, you go through the actual chapter where you're, you're receiving the instruction, you know, mm -hmm. at least my, when I'm looking at it, I'm like, Oh, this is, yeah, I understand all this. This is too easy. I can move on. But then, like you said, yeah. when you go to the exam or the, the, the quiz afterwards, you know, it, it, some of them, like I said, have made me feel like I just didn't learn anything, you know? And, and so I had to go back and do it again, but um, you're right. Yeah. Some of those quizzes are pretty difficult and probably are at a higher level than what I should be doing, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. I remember when I was trying the course, my biggest issue was that um, I was looking to really hone in on strategy. Mm -hmm. And I think that the book does such a good job of covering everything, including tactics so mm -hmm. much, like even the strategy sections, 
a lot of the puzzles were tactics and it was like tactics involving that strategy. And at that moment in my process, that's not what I was looking for. But I wonder if it'd be a good idea this summer just to kind of like turn myself over to Yusuf off and be like, I am now ready for you. Teach me what you will. We'll we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, Interestingly, I feel like you've talked a lot about what you do with tactics, what you do with Mm -hmm. end games, what you do with strategy. I have not heard much about openings. I've just heard MCO. So do you invest a lot of times in openings? Did you at some point and got a repertoire you're happy with? What do you do with openings? Yeah, so I, I've uh, maybe taken the approach a little bit where like uh, like Neil Bruce has said is that, um, you know, that's something that he <clears throat> has is willing to take a few punches at, you know, take a few punches and get out of the opening with it. But it's kind of like that for me. I really haven't spent much time trying to memorize lines. Um, I did go to Chessable, you know, download a few of the free ones that, that were in my repertoire. And um, I just didn't really get too involved with it. Um, what I did for this last tournament was about a month before uh, before the uh, the tournament, I really tried to hone in on um, openings. So mm-hmm. what I did is I went to Lee Chess, and what I uh, I would do is I you know when you're when you're moving going through the the um, on the analysis board, you know it, on the side you can see okay these are the Masters games this is what they may have played, but you can also go in and adjust it. And what I would do is I put it at you know people that are under eighteen hundred. Let's say what are they most likely to play, and I tried to build a repertoire yeah. that was going to be prepared for that since I'm not sitting there playing grandmasters who would be following, mm-hmm. let's say this routine all the way to move 25. Um, so I, you know, I, I tried to build a, a repertoire that I, I had. And then before each game, I would just kind of do a quick review of those, those opening lines that I was prepared for. And, mm-hmm. and I just kind of tried to play good enough that I could walk out of there and have a, you know, a competitive, you know, maybe not an advantage, but at least not be at a significant disadvantage, you know, in the opening. Gotcha. So you built a repertoire, but it wasn't built on like a, memorize 20 moves no. deep lines more of like build a repertoire with ideas and I, I really like what you said about setting up the lee chess section so it shows you what your opponent will actually play yeah. because i spend a lot of time on chessable i don't necessarily memorize lines but that's where i build my repertoires and it's so funny like just recently the other day in a carol con line like three times in a row i played the same line i was like awesome and all three times the player person played the wrong move yeah. I like move five. I was like, what is happening? And so I went into leech ass and it was like, I don't know what that grandmaster says, but this is what people under 1800 play yep. every single time. It is not that move. And I was like, this is so weird because when you look at, when you look yeah. at DM, no one plays that move. And it's like, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's amazing. It's such a natural move. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. That's what I, like I said, when I was sitting there going through that, it was, it was, uh, pretty eye-opening to see like you said you know these grandmasters it was it was clear like this this was the better move this is what the computer said that you should be moving yeah. but like you said when you put it in there that okay somebody that's under 1800 or under 1600 um it's a totally different line and and you have to be prepared for that because otherwise you know then you're sitting there and and it it's, it takes you off your your you know your plan in a sense and you get a little bit yeah. um you know i don't know it's it, but yeah so i i like doing it that way yeah i think that's a really good idea i think um it's funny for me when I build my openings, I use chessable as like the almost almost like the replacement for MCO or something, right? Like I'll get all the short and sweet and I'll get like one well-known GM's line and then I put it into my Lee Chess study. And I yeah. like to do that thing where it'll be like, I'll put this is the main move, but then I'll devote mm-hmm. it and be like, but no one actually plays this move. Like yep. note to self, when you get good. Be ready for this move, but this is the move people are playing currently, which is 
It's it's I that's what I love about Lee Chess studies is I can really add that um, depth to it. Yeah, I, I use that for the exact same reason. I think that's a, a great benefit of using it that way. Like you build that lead chess study. I built one for each one of, you know, when, if I'm when I'm black, if I'm playing against, you know, a D4 or E4, what am I going to, you know, respond with? Same thing with, you know, if I'm because I'm an E4 player on white, and so you know I have, uh, you know, a study for the French if they play the French, or if they play the yeah. Caracan, if they play the Sicilian, and um, and so that way, just like you said, you have what what the, what I did in, in each one of those studies is have. Just so you said, I would take it to maybe move 15 or 20, what the grandmasters would play, which what it should be, you know, it's technically what yeah. the computer is saying. And then again, what I'm going to probably face. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So it sounds like we have a pretty similar um, approach to openings then. It's funny because I I feel like I, it's, just, it's this weird thing where I haven't spent a ton of time like memorizing stuff. And what I'm really looking for are some books, like especially on the Karakan that are just about plans almost like yeah you need to know a line to be able to understand a plan but we're really talking about plans and then like what is the ended middle game that comes out of that plan and i'm just struggling to find those kind of books it feels like people really want just opening line books and that that's what has success one of the things that um it may may or may not be what you're looking for but with the um i haven't found books again same thing with my my repertoire either but uh, what has been helpful for me is is going into uh, you know hanging pawns you know step on. Um, oh. He's got some great opening videos and and that's where I, when I when I chose what I was going to play, um, mm-hmm. I'd watch those videos and and he would explain you know he did a, f- a phenomenal job explaining okay when you're playing this this is why you want to move you know your pawn to you know here or this is why you want to put your yeah. knight on this this square here. and I, and I really learned a lot about why I'm why I should be doing certain things in different openings. Yeah, totally agree. Can't recommend Hanging Pawns videos enough. For me, the problem is videos, I just have such a hard time somehow like downloading them into yeah. my long-term memory. When my when my brain sees videos, it goes, cool, yeah. Marvel movie, we're not going to think anymore. And I'm like, no, 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 brain, <laughs> you, you need to be on for this one. And my brain's like, nah, it's cool, you got this. So yeah, I, I take notes sometimes from his videos. Actually, I bring my Lee Chess study up. Yep next to the video and i'm like all right this is great so yeah, yeah it's, it's, i think i'm probably the exact same way too where, where like you said I'm, I'm not a video learner so what i have to do is i'll take take notes i'll usually i'll take a screenshot because most of the time i'm watching it on my phone mm-hmm. so i'll take a screenshot when he has the, the move order on the screen there and then like i said later on i'll take notes and write down some things but yeah i need to do the same thing for it to be for me to retain it yeah so what what it sounds like what you and i have in common is notes and uh man this is good this might sound terrible but for about the first year of my chess learning i didn't take notes <laughs> like in books or anything it was like i just apparently i thought i would magically retain information and that's definitely not how my brain works so that was that was a sad day when i totally realized that oh well um well it does sound like you listen to some videos or watch some videos so I, i've heard gotham chess mm-hmm. i've heard stefan and his hanging pawns channel any other series or video creators that really have been a pivotal part of your journey yeah so i i really like listening to coach andres um you know uh with his videos uh, all of them are extremely good i enjoy watching those i also like doing the uh the chess dojo um when and specifically the the end game sensei one where, where you see uh kostya uh and and david battling a position out at, while you know grandmaster Jesse Cry is sitting there kind of going over it. So I, I enjoy watching that particular aspect from that video series. I, I look at those pieces. Um, 
but uh you know for for pleasure it's more along the lines yeah gotham chess or agamath or when they do the recaps of the, some of the bigger mm. tournaments um but for learning i really go to coach andres hanging pawns and, and chess dojo yeah yeah those are all such great choices i gotta say i've been really working on my end games and i have not checked out the end game sensei very much i keep seeing it on my feed and what happens is like i see it in a moment where I'm only ready to go halfway with my brain, I'm like, no, that is not a moment to try to do like serious endgame work. I just keep forgetting to come back to it. So note to self, check it out. I've heard that recommendation about eight times now, and it sounds amazing. Yeah, okay. It's totally worth it. Okay. Uh, what are your goals? Do you have any like ratings goals? Are they uh, just process-oriented goals? What are you trying to do with chess? Um, so that's, that's changed also since I came back. Um, I, when I, when I initially started studying last March, um, I, I kind of looked at it and was thinking, you know, maybe, uh, not, not, I guess I thought what I was thinking was that I had all this time now, you know, or a little bit more time than when I, when I was active duty military. So I thought, eight know, months. Yeah. I mean, not, not so much of that, but yeah, but I, I did, I really thought hey, I was like, within two or three years, I'll be maybe 2000, maybe trying to, you know, maybe become a national master or something like yeah. that. And uh, the more I was playing, probably, you know, I realized it's it's a very long and, and difficult process. It's not something that just snaps and you become, you know, you, you just start jumping like that, or at least, at least not for me. I know there's some people mm -hmm. that really do well and they jump up that quickly, but um, I, I know it's going to be a long journey. So when I, when I came to realize that, um, what I want to do, I just want to enjoy the process. I want to, I want to improve. I want to be continuously improving, but I also want to enjoy it. I don't want it to become so uh, difficult or so, you know, uh, arduous that I, I, I begin to dislike chess. So I, I try to enjoy it. Um, just, in, uh, I was just on vacation a few weeks ago, or actually just last week, I got back from vacation. What I did is I took a break from Yusupov and took a break from uh, Summon and I took uh, Chernev's uh, 62 um, most instructive games and just had a great time playing through all these old classics and all of them, you know, just seeing how he, he views the game and how he discusses it. It was just, it was, it was pleasure, you know, it was, it was a great time. So I want to have a good time doing it. Um, but I do want to continue to improve. I don't want to be stuck at, you know, a current rating piece, you know, so, so I'm not so hung up on the ratings, but I do want to be improving on them. Yeah. So it's not a number you're reaching for, but it's also not a, you don't want an eight year plateau. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I think that's, uh, that's a pretty similar approach to me as well. I was thinking maybe like, Okay, this is gonna sound really ridiculous. Like I'm young enough. I'm not yeah. that like if I worked at it for 20 years, I could hit IM if I like was consistent. But I don't I don't think that's true. I think I'm too old to have um 20 years peak like that. I, I have a feeling after about 10 years from now, my brain's gonna be like, Yes, you are improving, but I am deproving, right? Like my brain yeah. is getting mushier, and, and so even though I'm getting better they're balancing out. That's what I'm a little bit worried about. We'll see. Maybe I can uh, find some foods to, to really yeah. boost the brain power. We'll see what happens. That sounds like the same kind of thing I'm thinking. Yeah. I need to, I need to do that and keep my brain active and keep going forward. Yeah. All right. Well, what are you, you've had this whole process. I've heard a lot about self-motivation. I've heard a lot about laying out plans for yourself. Do coaches work into this at all? Did you have a coach um, at the beginning of your plan do you have one now? Are you planning to get one at some point in the future? How do coaches work into this? So um, I've never had a coach up until just last month, but yeah, so I, I was always thinking about getting a coach, but I, I was at the, I was in the mindset that 
um, there was so much for me to still learn that mm -hmm. having a coach really wouldn't, you know, help me enough because there was so much that I needed to do on my own already. Um, but listening to, you know, just several of the, you know, the people that have come on to your podcast, listening to, um, you know, perpetual chess, the same sort of thing. It sounds like, you know, that having a coach is, is worth it. No matter what level you are, having a coach is great. If you can afford it, if you have the financial means to do so, you should do it. So, um, last, last month I had my first, uh, session with my coach. It's actually your coach also David Menchik. Um, and it was a great time. We went over some of my games analyzing, uh, you know, how, how I did in the tournament. And it, it was really eye opening to me because again, you, you can sit there and I like what I would do after a game, I'll look at it. I'll do the analysis. Then I'll turn on the computer and the computer will say, here's where you lost, you know, two points on this, you know, because you put your, you know, your, your night in a bad spot. And sometimes it doesn't make sense to me, but, but being able to sit there and talk to him, we went through some end game stuff. It was great. And, um, and so we're, we basically, we're going to meet monthly and uh, just because that's again, my schedule, but uh, monthly we're going to meet and we're just going to go through things. So I've got some homework to complete because our next, uh, our next meeting is actually this week. And mm -hmm. so um, it's been, it's been beneficial to me. And I really think it's like I said, if you, if you have the ability to do it, I'd, I'd recommend it to anybody. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's one of the things that I really like about David is the homework aspect, right? And it, it's what's so great about coaches. If you don't want homework, there are tons of coaches out there that will not give you homework. Um, and then if you do want homework, there are, there are coaches who will. And David, yeah. if you're listening, this is for you. Don't worry. It's not you. It's me. I've just been busy. Spring break is coming. We're going to get some lessons in. I've, I've been really bad lately with, with finding time for lessons. It's been a, it's been a real challenge this school year. Yeah, it, it's, it's difficult. But uh, like you said, yeah, I think um, I, I would love to meet more often. But, um, you know, once a month is probably much the best I can do right now. Yeah. yeah. And I think I could do that. I think what happened was I got like in my head, it has to be weekly mm -hmm. or not at all. And I think you're right. I think I should just try to like be like, all right, Dave, we'll meet this Saturday, three weeks from now. I can make yeah. sure I make that. That's a good idea. I like that. Um, OK, so you said you're coaching. You feel like what you're getting out of it is just at a minimum, another set of eyes on your games that can kind of help you understand some positions that you don't, that you can't get even from computer analysis. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I really, um, I've only, like only met with my coach once, but, but yeah, just from that initial hour, hour and a half that we spent together, um, it was, it was great to see again, just like you said, somebody else looking at my games, saying where I could have done something a little bit better rather than just looking at the computer, telling me that sort of thing. So it, it was, yeah. it was beneficial in that aspect. And then I'm really looking forward to the next ones where we are going to go over some homework and go through some positions. And, um, and I, and I hope again, it just, it gives me a different perspective and prepares me, um, as, as I, like I said, as I get ready for the next tournament coming up. Nice. Um, I'm curious about uh, this uh, first over the board tournament that you did the Liberty Bell since you were back. Yeah. So you said it was a different experience than the oh, old yeah. tournaments. Um, so why were you so much more nervous? Do you think this time around, like you're probably a better player this time around, you've had more experience. Why were you more nervous going into it? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I think um, one aspect of that I was nervous about was just the fact that here I was, um, you know, when I went, when I was back, you know, 20 years old going to the tournaments, it wasn't that big of a deal, but now here I am, I'm, you know, 44, I've got, I've got, you know, my daughters, my wife, and, um, and thankfully, you know, they, they supported it, but, you know, it was in Philadelphia. So it's about two hours from where I live. So we, you know, we had to get a hotel. So you're investing money in it. You know, you're mm -hmm. paying a hundred dollars to play. And, and so I, you know, the part of the nervousness was just, you know, am I throwing all this money towards this? And I'm just, you know, my family is, 
going to get the brunt of it when I don't do anything with it, you know? So yeah. I wanted to do well. So I guess that probably raised my, my level a little bit because I didn't want to go in there and just flunk and, uh, you know, lose all these games. But, um, I think that was one of the things I had listened to. I don't know which, um, I had listened to it on one of the podcasts or on a video, but one of the grandmasters was saying that basically, you know, you, you need to be prepared to, to go to a tournament. And if you lose every game, are you going to be okay with that? And so I really tried to get myself mentally prepared that, okay, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to just do my very best. If I lose every game, as long as I've done my best, I'll be okay with that. But I, you know, once I sat down at the board, um, you know, of course my heart rate was going crazy. You know, I, uh, it was just, it was, it was very uh, nervous. And of course, just like you said, things had changed so much because uh, again, back when I was playing in the you know, late nineties, um, early two thousands, um, it was, it was, I'd say probably 95% of all adults that were at the, at these mm -hmm. tournaments. And uh, when I went to this one, you know, out of my seven games that I played in this tournament, four of them were against, you know, kids probably under the age of 14, 13, somewhere around there. And so it was totally different. Um, but uh, you know, it was, it was, it was fun. I, I remember like the, when I, my first game uh, that I played, you know, one of the things that really got me nervous was because, you know, the tournament director, he's going through talking about, you know, what you can, what you can't do. And one of the big uh, no-nos or whatever was to make sure your phone wasn't on. You know, you could, ha you could have your phone in your bag, but make sure it was turned off. And so, you know, I had checked it about four or five times and just making sure, please don't be on, make sure I turned yeah. it off properly. But um, I had, you know, I, I wear an iWatch. And so, uh -huh. um, so, you know, the game starts, I'm playing, I'm really really nervous i had white so i was i opened up with e4 we went into a, a vienna gambit and it was uh it was going well and all of a sudden my my watch started um but not it didn't go off ringing but it was vibrating yeah. on me and it really uh you know i'm thinking oh my god I, my phone's turned on i'm getting a phone call and i'm gonna get kicked out of here because they think i'm cheating or something like that yeah, yeah. and um so it's buzzing you know it's, it's vibrating i mean i looked down and the reason it's vibrating is because my heart rate is at like 150 ah. minutes sitting there <laughs> playing chess <laughs> and um and it went off another time like, it went off twice on my first game because i was just so nervous and so worked up um but thankfully you know the, the game was over we finished it in like 20 some moves and and i won the first game which was it was good for me because it, it kind of set me in the process um but then and that, that was against a, a, a kid probably i don't know he's probably about 12 years old it was did a great job it was a good game and then um went back on the the saturday games it was two two games there and i ended up losing both of those mm. um first game the, the second the first game that i lost it was you know he had played the london system and i i was uh playing the king's indian and it just it was a it was a long battle went three hours over 60 moves but um the, the third game it was sort of this again one of those ones i got myself caught off guard because when we were waiting there talking um, it was this, this kid, probably about eight or nine years old, super nice sitting there having a conversation where, you know, he's asking me all these questions about what videos do I watch? You know, he was talking about Gotham chess and where, you know, <laughs> it, became, it became very comfortable <laughs> and cool. um, I was playing uh, white. And again, I, 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 got, I guess I got too relaxed and, and I ended up having a blunder and uh, mm -hmm. really influenced the outcome of the game. But then I ended up finishing strong with, uh, you know, four out of the four more wins. So I went five out of seven with the tournament. So it was, it turned out to be pretty decent. How long was this tournament then? How many days was it? Um, it was uh, four days. So it, it was oh. it was a Friday night game, two on Saturday, two Sunday, and two Monday. So it was, okay. it was seven games total. Um, but yeah, but like you said earlier, you know, I wasn't most of the tournaments that I've been a part of before, like the one I did in Dallas and Waco. You know, those were usually single day tournaments. You know, it was, mm. it was a you know three or four round Swiss um, type of tournament. But yeah, going over several days and then playing two games a day when sometimes they go two or three hours each, it really is exhausting um, yeah. to go through that. Did you take any buys at all or you played all seven? 
No, I played all seven. I figured okay. if I'm going to put the money in, I'm going to I'm going to try to play every single one. So and the yeah. same thing going into the uh, the world opens nine games, and uh, I'm going to take all nine, and you know Ooh. I'll probably be tired by the time I walk out of there. But but it, you know yeah. it'll be good training, I think, and good good times hopefully. Yeah, I I am convinced myself that I have a maximum of two games a day if possible. So yeah. like I was playing in one of those weekend tournaments. I did the short schedule because of the time thing, right? Uh-huh. And so day one was like three game 45s or something. And then the long game at the end of the day. And I made the mistake of not taking a buy at all. And by the fourth game, I was just like, what are we even doing anymore? Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So. It's amazing how exhausting it can be. I mean, you're, you're just sitting there, you know, for two, three hours, but, but yeah. the way your mind is working that entire time, I mean, you walk out of there and you just feel like you, you've been working all day or you're you know exhausted completely. Yeah, exactly. I think strategic buy usage is just such a, such an important skill. And I, and I totally agree with you. It's that hard thing of like, we have so many sacrifices just to get yeah. to a tournament. Right. And then it's like, how do you take a buy and be like, I'll just kill for now. <laughs> I like yeah. what, what, that's not the point of why I'm here, but I will yeah. say, man, a hotel, no kids, and a buy. It was kind of like this is like the ultimate vacation. <laughs> so I would recommend. That. So it. when when uh, thing is, my my family traveled with me. And oh, so okay. uh, it, it, it was good though. They, they did a great job that, you know, they, they gave me some space when I needed it. You know, if I needed some time, I need to just kind of decompress. I'm going to sit on the couch and just relax. They, they did that. And then, and then in the evenings when I'd get back, we'd go to the pool and stuff. So it, it, it worked out well. I wasn't sure if it was going to be a good or a bad idea, but it really worked out well to have them along with me. Okay. Yeah. That seems uh, the way my family operates that if that feels like it would be very overwhelming. They'd be like, dad's back from his game. And I'd be like, yeah. I lost and it went badly. I need 10 minutes. And they'd be like, no, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Um, so you had this pretty successful result at your first tournament back. Um, what are you thinking? You're, I, I heard you say you've got the world open. Do you have like a, a set amount of tournaments you want to try to hit every year now? Are you just going to kind of like hit a couple and, and go your all at it? What's your thought there? Um, well, so what, Again, just with the, the whole time piece, and then of course with the financial investment with it, I, I'm, I'm probably going to just be sticking to probably two tournaments a year, I, basically mm-hmm. once every six months. Um, the, where, where I live currently, there's not a they, they have a chess club where I live, but they're not uh, they're not running any local tournaments. So basically, everything that I would you know have to do would be a couple hour drive to to do something like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I you know I have to limit it to probably twice uh, twice a year, and, and, and which is great because it gives me a time to really assess what I did uh, well and what I didn't do well and where I need to work on. And it gives me a few months to really try to invest some time in some areas where I think uh, it would it would make me a better player. Gotcha. Do you take those games then from the tournament games and really treat them differently and go over them really carefully? Or do you kind of treat them like your rapid games in the same way you would analyze those? No, I, I did take them a lot more seriously. I mean, with the rapid games, I, I go over every single one of those also, but depending on how much time I have, I may just you know, let the, you know, with uh, chess.com, I can do the, you know, the game report and let it go through the key moves. And sometimes that's all I have time for. Um, other times I'll go through the entire analysis on the board looking at it, but, but with the tournament games, um, what I did is I put them all into a lead chess study. And then I really focused on, um, you know, just w- where 
if, if there was any parts like, you know, I went through all my own, doing my own analysis. Then I went back and I played through letting the computer show me, um, you know, what was, what could I could have done better. And I really tried to look at the moves where I had lost more than a point, uh, you know, as I was going through it and, and tried yeah. to figure out why did I move there? Why didn't I move to these places? And so, yeah, I spent a lot more time um, with those games. Um, but, but I think, I think that's key, everything that I've heard and everything I've listened to, you know, you really do need to spend time analyzing your games. That's where you can probably make the most improvement. Yeah. Let me give you a suggestion for your next tournament. This is what I did. It's really helped me as I go through it once on my own okay. and then I do not turn the engine on until I go through it with my coach. Right. And so mm -hmm. I have a chance to see the game mm -hmm. through his lens and my lens. And then now that I've had both of these human lenses, then I'm like, then I go to the ultimate coach, right? And I'm like, all right, computer, you're terrible at coaching, but you sure know all the right hands. Uh, <laughs> that's 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 so probably cool. a great idea. Um, I, I would I will tell you that when I did the uh, the Liberty Bell Open, it happened on probably about two or three of the games. When ones that I it was actually not good for me, but um, I had won the game and I felt you know very good about myself. I'm like, I'm gonna go put this in the computer immediately yeah. and I'm gonna see how good I did. And it turns out I really didn't do that well. Like there was several points in the game that I probably should have lost yep. and it was kind of a little demoralizing. So I think that's probably a better approach to it is don't even look at the computer, just, you know, go through it on your own. Let, yeah. Like you said, let your coach take a look at it and then yeah. look at the, uh, what the computer analysis says. Yeah. And also I like, like when I look at it, I put in my thoughts and my feelings too, where I'll yeah. be like, I felt overwhelmed here, right? Like I, the evaluation seemed equal, but it just felt overwhelming. And then I'll even put like, there was a kid next to me really distracting me at this point. Just, just put it like random stuff. I don't know. That's how I do it. I have a lot of fun. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good, because, and speaking of which, like, yeah, there, there's, that's, that's a good thing because, um, you know, the, the one game I, I played that actually, one of the ones I lost, um, it was against a young kid. He was probably, probably eight or nine years old. And uh, it's the one that I made a blunder on. And as soon as I made that blunder, I guess he became so excited that he, he couldn't sit the rest of the game. He continued to do laps mm -hmm. around his chair. Uh, like just doing circles and circles and, <laughs> and, uh, and like you said, so that it became a bit distracting. I could have probably said, Hey, you know, eat, sit yeah. down, please. But you know, it was, it was, I wasn't going to be like that, but either way, you uh -huh. know, there are some things that maybe do distract you from your thought and it's good to capture those things as you're going through and doing analysis. Yeah. Yeah. I felt I had one uh, young opponent that seemed just really distracted by like some fun stuff that was happening. <laughs> and so I decided to make it a complex game, right? Like yeah. we could have had some trades and I was like, no, I'm going to really increase the tension here. And it still seems equal, but there's just more opportunities. And then like after the game, I, I wrote down all those notes and, and eventually the, the opponent did kind of like, you know, slip up a bit with, with all of those complications and, and all the distractions. I mean, it was pretty impressive the amount of distractions yeah. they were able to juggle for so long though. I guess yeah. I couldn't do that. No, and you're right. There's there is a there's a psychological aspect to it when you're playing and stuff. And and you're right. You know, sometimes it is. You know, you, you look at your opponent. You may say, I, I do need to complicate this and, and maybe see where I can go with it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So it sounds like the next big event is the World Open, and you've got a plan. That's what I like. You've got a plan. Yeah. You're gonna do some more use of off. Come, I think you said April. You're gonna start hitting woodpecker method. Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, if you read uh, Axel Smith, that's how he he says you should do the woodpecker. Is that like that's what he would do before a big event, several months ahead of time? He would just start grinding the tactics so that when he walked in that event, tactics were just flowing out of his yeah. brain. So, seems like you're uh, in good company with your strategy. I do hope so. I know, like I said, I've heard several people talk about it, and like you said, they 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 
they were so much more confident of seeing those tactical uh, positions at a, at a lot quicker rate because their mind was already prepped for that. Yeah, exactly. It's it, it, it's so funny because I, because in my illness that I've had the last couple of weeks, I've realized that that stark difference between knowledge and skill. And like when I was sick, I still had all the same knowledge. I knew that I wanted my night on a good outpost, but my skill dropped so far. It was kind of remarkable. And it's just reminded me how important it is to drill that skill part of our game to see rating gains. Like we can know all the knowledge in the world, but if the skill doesn't match it, mm-hmm. uh, it's just, you're, you're going to, you're going to lose a hundred points like I did in, in a couple of weeks. Yeah. So. No, that's, that's so true. I, I know when, uh, when I, again, when I came back to chess and I started doing all this reading and going through several different books, um, it, it, I, I became frustrated because I felt like, okay, I have all this knowledge. I feel like I know I, I should be, you know, sitting there, I should be 17, 1800 easily, yeah. but, but the play wasn't coming along like that. And, and like you said, it's, it's about putting some of that, all that knowledge to use. And that was the skill level that you're using at that. Yeah, exactly. So it sounds like you will have your skill crackling come tournament time. So I'm excited. I know I'll be rooting for you. I'm sure our listeners will as well. Uh, there are probably a lot of chess punks and adult improvers at the world open. So it should be a pretty exciting opportunity to maybe meet some fellow adults who are also looking to improve their game. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to meet some other chess punks. I know one of them, I think that you had on your show was Stacia. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's going to be there too. So I, yeah, there's, nice. I'm sure there's gonna be quite a few people that, uh, that are all part of that community on Twitter that uh, we can, we can meet up for sure. Awesome. All right. Quick. Um, unprompted plug completely by the way let's see if i can find this quick enough uh but there is a tournament coming up it's something like you have to be over 21 um i think it's being it's run by charlotte chess center coming up in i think it's late april unfortunately i can't just find this information as easily i was hoping i would but it sounds really fun they're they're opening a tournament that is that you have to be over 21 um, to enter. So if you're looking for a tournament like that, uh, I know it was on Twitter. Um, you can message me if you can't find it. Like I couldn't find it in this one moment, but it looks like a really fun event. So just, if you're looking for a tournament, that's not overrun by little kids, which by the way, it's great that kids are playing chess. I am all for it, but it is kind of fun to be able to have some talk after a game with an adult and do, uh, you know, actually a uh, post analysis and stuff. So I don't know, it sounds like a really amazing event. That's great. All right, Mike, where can people find you if they want to follow up on this conversation, maybe hear more about uh, your world open preparation? Where can they find you? Sure. It'd probably be my Twitter. I actually just I joined Twitter less than a year ago and I really did it because, again, listening to many of these podcasts of, of the chess punk. So I jumped on there to try to watch and see what people were talking about and uh, just started kind of posting some things just in the recently in the last month or two. But that's uh, probably the best place. And it's just Michael underscore Irvin 30. That's that's it. Pretty simple. OK, sounds great. Um, you could find me if you want to have some more conversations at Dr. Skull on Twitter. You can find me streaming at Dr. Skull underscore Tiny Grimes on Twitch. Uh, having a lot of fun with that. It's a boring stream, but we learned together. Uh, keep keep using Chessable. Chessable is amazing. They're sponsoring the, the show. I've been really having a good time with the Woodpecker Method. Um, unlike Mike, I have a hard time carrying the book with me. And now I've got the book in my pocket on my phone. Whenever I have uh, two minutes in between a class, I try to bang out a puzzle or two. And my students are always like, what, what are you doing? Uh, you're a history teacher. How come you're on this, this app all the time? I'm like, don't worry about it. 
All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And I hope you have all the ratings gains you're looking for this week. And if you don't, don't worry. Plateaus are the norm. And uh, come back next week for some more tips, suggestions, maybe just a little chest therapy. And we'll see you all next time. Goodbye.